Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. We just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, I cannot believe I've done this. I think I, you know, I know it's Marta. Yes. But is it Obiols? How do you say your last name? It's Obiols. Obiols. Yes. Obiols. Okay. Okay. Uh, You know, I intended to ask you about it, but then I was, it didn't, it just blew my mind. And then we started recording and I was like, well, how do I say it? Uh, So. Don't worry. Don't worry. So, wow. I always like to ask people. I want to say it correctly. And. I wanted to have her on the show because she has this book, uh, 18, and Unschooling Experience. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some things from the book. I actually purchased the book today. <laughs> and um, I'm a Kindle person. Um, I know people are like, paper, paper, paper. I'm like, once it's in the Kindle, it's on the iPad, it's on the phone. I take it with me wherever I go. Yes. Uh, so we want to talk about that because there are some things that in going through the book, you know, you know, I just got a day, so I adventure, but and there were some things going in the book. I was like, oh, okay. And then things that I heard of that you talked about, and I was like, I knew you heard this myself. And so I wanted, you know, you to come on and talk about this whole experience of taking your kids out of traditional public school and what was that whole experience like, as well as you write in the book all about it. So for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Marta? Introduce myself. Yes. My name is Marta. I'm from Spain. I came to America when I was 22 to have an adventure. I ended up staying and marrying and having kids. I found a job as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And that's where everything begins. <laughs> when I started teaching, <laughs> there's the adventure. All right. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you'll be doing when you were growing up? And what drew you to education? I never dreamed of being a teacher. My dream was to be a hairdresser but I grew up in a culture where the kids in school, if they are good academically, they go to high school. And if they're not good academically, they send them to technical school. Mm. To be a hairdresser, you have to go to technical school. And because I was good at academics, they sent me to high school. So Mm. I couldn't be a hairdresser. In high school, they tell you, you have to go to college. Mm. So that's where I started thinking, I don't know what I wanna be. I knew that I love, this is going to sound weird to the people, but I love being in hospitals. A lot of my family are doctors and nurses, and I grew up going to the, to the hospital with my dad, and I have really good memories. So I wanted to work in a hospital, but I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a nurse. And I found out that there's teachers in the hospital because there's sick kids that spend a lot of months in the pediatric area. And to not miss school, there's teachers there. 
So that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to be a teacher and work in a hospital. That's how I got into education. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. One that exists. I don't even know if, well, that may exist in the United States. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried. I tried to work here in the United States as a teacher in the hospital, but I never made it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, it does exist. Yes. Wow. So teachers who are listening to this pod, who will be listening to this podcast, that is another option for you to do if you say, hey, I want to continue to teach, but maybe the classroom at a public school isn't feeling me anymore. It's not filling my cup. Look into teaching children at hospitals. Yes, now, yes. another thing I want to ask you, because since you brought this up, in America, over the past years, we have sort of, it's making a resurgence, but we've sort of we started to go away from the trade schools, right? And in America, we don't have what you're talking about of, okay, uh, Johnny, <laughs> you are a C student. So you're not going to regular high school. You're going to trade school. So we don't have that over here. So what is that experience like, right? Growing up in a country where that sort of education does exist. How does that shape people's learning experience? Well, I, I think in America, the trade school is also, inside the high school, you guys have all those options. Like inside high school, you go, you you learn trade stuff. Yes, yeah, so, some do, some right? do. Like I said, yeah. it's, making oh, a, it, it's making a resurgence, right? But what you explained to us earlier was, because I got good grades, they say you yeah. go to high school. So it was those, you, you feel labeled. Yes. Right. So the kids that were not good academically, they were labeled, I'm sorry to say it, and it's very, very wrong, but we all label them dumb and they failed dumb. Mm. That's very sad. So obviously I didn't want to speak up and say, I want to be a hairdresser because that meant that I would be a dumb person. That's very sad. I'm sorry that I'm saying those things, but back then that's how it was. Hopefully mm. things are changing over there too. But you feel labeled and that you have to follow that label. Well, maybe maybe I was really good at physics and math. Yes, I was, but I didn't want a career in math and physics. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do hair. <laughs> <laughs> Labeling is definitely not a good thing. And trade school, it doesn't matter if you're smart or not. It doesn't matter if you're good academically or not. Trade school is a good thing if that's what you want. And they make good money too. Yes. <laughs> so I hate that label that we I grew up with. Nobody's smart and nobody's dumb. We're all the same. We're all different. Awesome, awesome. Just wanted to ask because again, you know, we don't have that over here in terms of starting to cherry pick kids, right? You can now we do have some schools that are sort of uh, tech focused, where you as a kid can choose to say, "Hey, I'm going to go to this." med tech school i'm going to go to this uh performing arts type school i'm going to do this school but we don't have a situation where again a kid in the eighth grade shows up and they're like hey you got like a 1.5 gpa so you're not going to the regular high school you're going to be over here uh so our trades are again as you mentioned are normally a part of the high school ex experience 
And even they're getting more sophisticated. Like at our high school, for example, uh, yes, we have construction, but we also have uh, sports medicine and child development. And we also have uh, digital media. And we also have information technology as well as robotics. Uh, so our CTE program is uh, robust and not as quote unquote traditional as uh, cosmo cosmetology or uh, auto shop, which again, you know, when you get your, when your car going to shop and you get the bill, you're like, yeah, okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay. Yes. You know, that will, that, that's the key right there. Because I remember one time, and I know I'm digressing right now, but I remember one time I had to do something and I asked the guy, and I was like, well, dude, you know, how much are you, you getting, you know, because it was like, I was paying like 60, like $5 or $67 an hour for labor. And I was like, man, that's a lot of money. He was like, well, I don't see all of that. I see $23 an hour. And I'm still thinking $23, $23 an hour. I'm in Mississippi. I'm like, that's still some good money. Uh, given the fact that you're talking about someone who, generally speaking, has a two-year education or maybe, you know, they went to a, a tech program, right? And I'm thinking, like, there are people, that's what, an eight-hour day? You know, that's almost $200 a day, right? And so there are people, we, I never, you know, checked it out for the whole year and see how much it would be. But you have teachers <laughs> with bachelor's, yeah. bachelor's degrees who are, you know, barely pushing $30,000 in this country. I was a teacher and I'm telling you, I would have made more money being a hairdresser and happier than the money I made as a teacher. My, and I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That's all right. Hopefully things will get uh, better for us. But I want to talk about your book now uh, because you are the author of 18 unschooling experience. So I want you to tell us about the book and what was your journey like becoming a published author? That was quite a story. Um, I, I am not a writer and I never thought I would be one, but this book came into my head one day when I was driving my girl to one of her activities. Mm. It was a 40 minute drive and it was very quiet and it just came in my head. It was bothering me so much, I had to let it out. <laughs> so for two months, all I did was write. I woke up in the morning and I wrote and I wrote. I only stopped to eat. I kept writing all day. I, I didn't get dressed. I didn't cook for my kids. When, when it was time for them to go to their activities, they would tell me, hey, mom, we're going to be late. So then I, I drove them. At the parking lot of that place, I would continue writing. It was a crazy two months. I, I wasn't me, I was not myself. After that, when, when I realized, oh my gosh, I, have wrote, I wrote a book. Because first I thought this is not going to be a book. This is just me being silly. But it ended up being one. I gave it to two of my friends. And I told them, tell me the truth. Please tell me the truth. I want to know if this is, this is just for me or, or if it is really a book. 
one friend told me that she really enjoyed it. Mm. And the other friend told me that it was so good. It had to be shared. And she even cried. <laughs> wow. I made her cry. I, I make a few mamas cry with the book. <laughs> so those two girls encouraged me to try to publish it. I tried to go the, the route of looking for a literary agent. It didn't go well, but one agent answered me saying, it's a good story, but you are nobody. Wow. <laughs> no, it was very nice, very sweet. She told me, you don't have followers. You don't have a social media presence. You've never written any articles. So you are no one. Nobody's going to buy the book. And I thought, okay, this is true. It's true, but my book is good. So I went the, self, the self-publishing route. I gave my book to my son, who is really good at, at editing. He's really good at English. While he was reading it and editing it, I started studying, go, going to workshops, reading articles of how to self-publish. Mm. And I just follow the steps. And that's what happened. Wow. Okay, so what what is that like having your your son edit the book? Uh, you know, because normally an editor holds the writer's feet to the fire. So well, I, yes, what is that like? He's going, okay, mom. Um, you see this right here. You need to rewrite this right here, although this doesn't make sense. What is that process like? Well, he he is a writer also, but he's a science fiction writer. So it was really weird to him to see a, a memoir. Hmm. I told him that I would find a real editor, but I wanted him to make sure none of my bad English was in there. So he just corrected silly things here and there. So the English was okay. Then I found an editor, a real one. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and he and he edited. Not too much though. I did a good job. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So let's get back to this self-publishing piece because... Yes. You, you you went to these workshops, you learned how to do it. Uh, since you went the self-publishing route, how did you go about getting your cover together? Mm-hmm. And how did you ultimately get your book on Amazon? Because that's why I bought it today for Amazon Kindle. How did you get that? How do you make that happen? I found, uh, it's called a hybrid publishing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. You find a publisher that works for you you pay them to work for you. So this person edited and put it in a format to put it on Amazon. I didn't do any of that. He did it for me. You can do it. You can learn how to do it. But I was too overwhelmed. I had too much going on. I chose to pay for him to do that. The cover, I did the cover. But because I use a few images on the internet without permission, he copied my cover and made it legal. He made it his own way, but I made okay. it and he made it better. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha. But, but, it, but also it, he, he does the covers. He lets you choose because mm-hmm. you're the boss. I said, I want my cover and then he made it better. But somebody can say, I am clueless. You make it. He will make it for you. Mm. Okay, so I think everyone knows what homeschooling is and... There's been a lot of parents choosing to homeschool their kids, particularly black parents, 
because of the pandemic and schools not wanting to have a virtual option and them not wanting to send their kids uh, to school during these times. But in talking in, 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 in your book and, and what I've been reading about, you got to a point of unschooling. Yes. And I'm like, what <laughs> is that, right? Because, you know, and, and what and how different is it from homeschooling children or, or when people think about what homeschooling is, how different is unschooling is? Unschooling is a, a scary word for people that hear it for the first time. I was scared too. But when you find out where it comes from, you'll like it better. To, I, I have to mention John Holt. John Holt is, was, was a teacher who realized kids were not learning in his class. And he started writing books about kids don't learn. This is how they learn. He wrote lots of books and I read them all. In one of his books, he tells you that homeschooling parents are doing the same things that the schools are doing, which mm. is teaching what, what to learn. I'm gonna teach you what you're supposed to learn. Mm. And he was saying, stop doing school at home. You need to not do school. Kids learn in a different way. Don't copy the schools. And to change the word homeschool, he said, unschool. Learn like there's no school. That's where the word comes from. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about something like Montessori? No. So homeschooling, people choose different methods. The, me okay. the Montessori is one. Schools choose Montessori and homeschool parents choose Montessori. Then there's Reggio Emilia and there's Waldorf and there's so many and there's curriculums that famous publishers make for you or, or homeschool moms made it for you. There's so many education plans that you can buy or, or copy and follow. Mm -hmm. Unschooling is none of those things. You learn with none of these things unless... One of your kids says, I, I like this, I wanna do it, then you do it. But you start with nothing, just living life. Because when you live a normal life, eventually your kids will learn how to read. They want to learn how to read. And they tell you, I wanna learn how to read. And that's when you do it. But you don't follow a curriculum, you don't follow a plan, you don't follow an age. Now you're supposed to learn how to read because you're six and you don't do that. It's when the kid is ready. Am I explaining well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you you just mentioned you you read these books uh, from John Holt. John Holt, yes. So how did you find him? Like, how did you oh, yes. you know you, you get started? Because you know there's a difference between I guess someone saying you know uh, I'm going to homeschool my children and pull them out to actually, now what do I do now? Right. And right. when you decided to do your research on, okay, what happens next? What was that like? I mean, how, how did that, how, how did you discover John Hope? I, I went to college to learn education and I had no idea who John Holt was. <laughs> it fascinates me. When I pulled my kids out of school, it was January. I was terrified 
And right away, I found things to do because that's what you think. You think, you think that your kids have to do things. So everything that I could find around me, I put my kids in there. The civic center near me, they were doing homeschool classes. So right away, I put my kids there without even asking them because that's what we think. We think our kids mm -hmm. have to be involved in a classroom. In that place, my goodness, I am so thankful I met those two ladies. And let me mention, because you mentioned Black people like to homeschool, there was a huge community, a Black community of unschoolers in this civic center. Mm. Here in Atlanta, there's a big community of Black homeschoolers and Black unschoolers because they're tired of the system. One of those ladies... Uh, we were waiting for our kids and one of those ladies started talking to me. She was already finishing educating her three children. They were already all teens. She asked me, how was it going? I told her I was terrified. I don't know what to do. There's so many ways of educating. Which one do I choose? She was the sweetest. She told me, don't worry about any of that and read John Holt. And I said, who the heck is that? She said, go to the library. You'll find the books. Mm. And sure enough, the public library has his books. I started reading them and that woman changed my life. She has no idea. Mm. I'm so thankful. Okay, so let's take a step back because I want to know what made you homeschooled in the first place? Because your children were in public school. Yes. And you decided, or maybe they decided, enough was enough and I need to pull them out. What happened? I explain all that in the book. How much should I say? As much as you want to. <laughs> uh, it was a whole bunch of, a series of unfortunate events, which right now I think they are very fortunate. A lot of things happened while my kid started kindergarten and first grade. and It was one thing after another, one thing after another. I changed schools, I put him somewhere else. It was such a disaster always. And um, when my daughter was seven and she was in first grade, she said to me, I'm not learning anything. And that broke my heart because when I was her age, I didn't wanna learn anything, I really didn't. I just wanted to play, but she wanted to learn she, she, she's very bright and they label her as gifted at the school and she wanted to learn, but she, she was not learning. And, mm. and that's when I broke. I said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. Why am I trying so hard? I was very unhappy as a teacher also. So it was a whole bunch of things, but what broke me was my daughter saying, I'm not learning anything. I said, mm. that's it. That's it. Mm. So please walk us through the earlier years of you unschooling your children? They were, they were nine, seven and five. And because I quit my job as a teacher, <laughs> uh, we didn't have the income that we used to have. I was very poor, I was so broke. So it's not like I could choose my activities of what to do with my kids. So my, my income was the one that chose what to do. Mm. We did everything in the city that is free. 
that's how we started. Oh, also, let me mention that woman that told me to read John Holt. That same woman said to me, do everything in the city. Go travel, go to all the restaurants, go to all the states, expose your kids to everything. So that's what I did, but with everything that was free. We, we went to museums on the day that it was free. We rode bikes to all the parks. We went on hikes with other friends. We always went to the library and the library does a lot of activities for homeschoolers. Mm. We did that too. There was a running track program that also was free. We did it. The pool has also free hours. So we went to the pool. We played a lot with our neighbors. We live in a street with a lot of kids. There was a lot of playtime. We also went to Barnes and Noble because it's so pretty. We just went and read books. And I also did a lot of Groupons. When I found a good Groupon, mm-hmm. we did that activity, like ice skating, tree climbing, archery. So basically my, my money is the one that chose what to do on the, on the early years. Mm. So I'm assuming when people hear about this transition that you made, the whole idea of socialization came up, right? So how are your kids going to do sports? So how are your kids going to uh, be in this club or that club or all of these different types of activities that public school normally provides? Um, In your book, you talk about how, is it Africa or or Africa? Africa. Uh, How Africa... Well, you know, she wanted to attend a Valentine's dance. And so from there, I want you to pick up the story here. Tell us what you found to address those needs of connection with other students and also engagement in other extracurricular activities. Well, before I continue with the Valentine's Day story, let me tell you that we became more social once we were out of the school. That really shocked me. It, it shocked me of how much social life we had. I don't know if that has to do with the city that I live. I don't know if other people have different situations, but in my case, we were more social than before. But let me tell you about the Valentine's Day party. I Googled like crazy to find a Valentine's Day party for her. And because of that, I found the co-op that we joined, the Atlanta Homeschool Co-op. It is huge. There's a lot of families that homeschool and they get together. That's how we found all our friends. But they didn't do the Valentine's Day party. So I failed at that. But I was very lucky that one of the public libraries did a a Valentine's Day party and we attended to that. The library does a lot of things for kids. So if you do not find friendships, if you don't find a co-op, the library is your friend. But yeah, we found that co-op and that co-op gave us so many friendships, so many friendships. But um, about the sports, later on when I, I have to mention, I, I sold my house and went to a cheaper one. That's how I got more income to be able to homeschool my kids. Once we had money, then my kids joined activities and two of them decided to do horse riding. 
in the horse riding barn, there was a lot of children of all ages and they made a lot of friends there. They also did summer camps there. So that brought them all those connections that you're talking about. Another kid did gymnastics once a week. My other one, the older one that did not do horse riding, he did archery. So that was his, his sport, twice a week did archery. Right now at this present time, one of my kids does soccer. The other one does aerial circus arts training. Mm. And the other one became a coach of esports. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's all right. That's all right. And it's interesting because again, in reading again, I'm not done, but in telling these different uh, stories uh, about your children and their interests and temperaments and, and such. And you were talking about how uh, Africa was no stranger to being like, I'm done with this. <laughs> and it comes to mind because you mentioned the horse and the stable. And she was like, you know what? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm good. I'm not feeling the horse thing anymore. Yes. Uh, when you are doing the unschooling thing, when you're like, okay, I want my child to sort of, um, take control over what they want to learn and, 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 and take advantage of all these things. What is it like when a child tells you after they've told you, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then they come to you and go, you know what? Uh, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. Well, that day I died. <laughs> I died. But the, the culture that I have in me was upset because I grew up in a culture that I paid a lot of money. Now you continue doing this. So I had to remember, wait a minute. This is how I grew up. I hated it. Every time you want to quit something, your parents are upset. So I had to remember that I want to be different than that. I had to remember that, that, that that's the process of unschooling. I have to put up with it. That's the process. I like it or not. So I had to remember all the things I read in books. I had to calm down. <laughs> and then I understood she's done with that. That was her learning experience. Good for her. Now she's moving on. But it was very shocking. It was very shocking. But it's part of the process. We cannot forget. Mm. So... Earlier, you mentioned how your whole thing of starting out was, okay, um, what income here? So I let my budget dictate what I was doing. And you just mentioned how when you moved to a smaller space, now there was more money and you can do other things. For those who are thinking about doing this, uh, given, again, the fact that when you go to a traditional public school, all of that stuff is 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 paid for. Now we all know that it's not equitable. There are public schools, you know, in Atlanta, everywhere else, where kids who live in this part of Atlanta are having like top grade A schools, facilities, et cetera, and those who are over here do not. But again, all of that is still paid for by taxes, and parents are not sort of coming out of their pockets every day of, okay, this is what's going to happen. So what are the costs right. right, that are associated with unschooling? 
So it depends on each family and each kid, obviously. I was upset with myself because I wanted to put my kids in a private school that is incredibly pricey and I couldn't pay for it. So at least I wanted to be able to pay for the things that they wanted to do. That's why I sold the house and went to a cheaper one because I really wanted to provide. You don't have to do that. Mm. You, you can unschool with little, little money. Absolutely. That was my choice. I wanted to provide more and certain things were very pricey. So that was my choice. And one of my kids, see, every kid is different. One of my kids is so much cheaper than the others. <laughs> it depends on what they want to learn. For example, Africa has been quite pricey because she wanted to do violin lessons and flute lessons. Piano was free, thank goodness, because she YouTube it. But violin and flute, she wanted a teacher. And that was very expensive. With the horse riding, mm. horse riding is very expensive. But I got very lucky because the lady of the barn, she likes to negotiate. Mm. And my kids did a lot of cleaning and working and they rode for free. So there's ways to do things. What else? Uh, my, my son doing soccer. There's soccer in the streets that it's completely free. But because he's trying to be a, he's trying to go pro, then yes, that costs money because we're training him with special coaches. <laughs> so it really depends on you. And it's okay to tell your kids, hey, I, I cannot afford this. I'm sorry. Can we YouTube it? It's free that way. That's okay too. Mm. You know, I, I've, I've always been sincere with my kids about the money as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. So before we go, as an educator and unschooling parent, what ideas and practices from old unschooling can traditional K-3 public schools actually adopt and take away from what you're doing? That's a tough one. That's a tough one because I don't want to criticize schools because that's some, some people, that's their choice to do that. But first of all, the teachers, they need to learn differently. Those teachers that are being trained, they need to train them differently. And let me mention two schools that already exist. One school is called Summerhill in England. Mm-hmm. And one school is called Sadbury Valley. It's in Massachusetts here in the U.S. And then there's the schools that copy the Sadbury Valley all over Europe and all over the U.S. They're, they're copying that one. Those schools are kind of unschooling. It's the same philosophy. It's the same way. The kid goes to that place and learns whatever he wants to learn. They do whatever they want. It's self-learning. And the teachers don't teach. They're there to provide. Mm. Schools exist and they're working really well. Um, What the school system could do, the public school system, they could copy that. My understanding is by reading Peter Gray, his book, Free to Learn, he talks about that. Mm -hmm. In his book, he says, it would be cheaper to have those free schools, those democratic schools. It would Mm -hmm. be cheaper than the public school system. So the money is not the issue. How about that? Yeah, well, the thing is, our 
our public school system, the way it has been set up over the past, I'm assuming, 20 years with accountability, with no child left behind and high stakes testing, uh, it's really, it's it's taking the, 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 the cojones uh, from school leaders, right? Um, because... You have, you have a, um, when you have a cut score or, or a metric system that you need to pass or your school district gets taken over by the state, what risks are you going to take, right? right? What new things are you going to try in your school that are, and, and I'm not talking about new tweaks, like, oh, we're going to bring in devices. That's new. But I mean, like, we're going to flip our schedule where, let's say in high school, kids come to school Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and Tuesday and Thursday, they're working because they're part of a co-op program. So they're working, they're interning, uh, they're learning about different career fields. Uh, that could exist. And I'm assuming this is, you know, this is United States. I'm assuming that exists somewhere. But when you're to ask a school leader a, 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 or a superintendent to say, we need you to shake this thing up. You're asking a lot because, again, it's so much pressure for that test score. So people are not trying a lot of stuff there. In fact, you know, they're looking at other school districts. Oh, your population is. Uh, 98% black and you're using this curriculum and you have these test scores, guess what? We'll be using it too. Uh, instead of sort of trying to really figure out, you know, what can we do, right? And so even this, the day I was driving around going to a school, I spoke to some students this morning, but I was thinking how a lot of schools place a lot of emphasis on uh, sort of the academic gaps. Yes. Right. And for me, they don't focus on the hope gap. And what I mean by the hope gap is this. You can't make students learn. Exactly. Right. So you, you can't make them. You can't force them. Can't do anything about that. Exactly. And because of that, and let's say you, you have kids who either maybe they come from a rural area or they come from an urban area, uh, low income on both ends, and they don't see people who look like them get out. They don't see people who look like them who become certain types of professionals. What is their incentive to do certain things in school? Because they don't see the possibilities, right? The world to them isn't open. It's very closed. And I wonder what are the schools doing to expose those students to people, places, and ideas who look like them where they can see their success. And Atlanta is different because Atlanta really has a lot of a lot of black professionals and black folk with money. Oh, yes. Right. And so to not have certain programs where these people come in and really talk to students about you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I own X, Y, and Z and, I, you know, 
a little flash, like you know, I, I make a little coin, whatever, whatever, and 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 create pathways in the school where maybe you have an entrepreneurship focus in that school, where kids are going like, you know what, I want to do this, I want to learn. They're going to put in the work, right? Because there's a difference between a kid having an IP or five five or four plan. That's different from a kid who maybe a couple of grade levels behind in reading, but they don't qualify because they, you know, they, they didn't meet the measurements to say, okay, you have an IEP. Those kids are going to make the come up on themselves. Like when they have that hope, that drive, that intrinsic motivation, they're going to do the work themselves. They don't need a teacher. You're right. And that's why to me, the greatest place where traditional public schools are dropping the ball because they're focused on the achieve academic achievement gap and they are not focusing on the hope gap. I feel sorry because I was one of those teachers. I was too and I didn't know any better because we go to college to learn how to teach and we are taught completely wrong. Mm. Yeah. And as a teacher, to be able to see three kids learn on their own with passion Oh my goodness, what a gift that has been for me. Quite amazing. Awesome, awesome. So thank you. Dr. Will, thank you. You are welcome, alhamdulillah. It's been great to have you on. I'm always interested in having, you know, educators, uh, entrepreneurs come on and talk about uh, what they're doing and, you know, whether they're writing a book delivering a course, speaking, presenting, uh, having a product to sell. Uh, you know, I'm all about those multiple streams of income. And so I've gotten myself in trouble <laughs> over the, over these past uh, couple of years, talking about financial literacy and entrepreneurship and all that stuff. Uh, Love it. yeah, I've lost followers and other people don't even dialogue with me like they used to on Twitter. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I just, you know, at this point, you know, it used to sort of bother me a bit, but now I'm like, I don't, I don't care uh, because I'm driven by it, right? It, it you know, uh, we say goddess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like when, when I think about children learning, because a lot of schools don't, again, they don't even teach the financial literacy and then they, they oh, graduate, right? Yeah. So they, they graduate. Yeah. And they go to college. Yes. And you know, you, hey, you've been on a college campus, you get there, and everybody, look, you go to the union or somewhere, and somebody got this, hey, Bank of America credit card and all this stuff going on. And you can get in, you become a freshman, be 18 years old with bad credit because you did not know yes. what that really means. Exactly. Right. And so having people not know how to, write a check even though i know a lot of times we don't write checks it's like, in, like you're describing to. you're describing me <laughs> <laughs> i came out of college knowing nothing about life you're describing me it's so sad yeah we're trying to get well, i'm trying to get there I, and i'm and that's one of my push is really trying to get that you know a, a part of the curriculum you know what i'm saying because yeah e- even though Every, you know, and here's the everyone has to pay bills. Everyone's gonna have to do a budget. Everyone's gonna have to pay taxes. Everyone's gonna have to do all these things that 
the public school, in my opinion, should be teaching. Yes. Uh, because those are life skills that as long as you are breathing, yes. you're going to be doing some some of those things. Uh, and so that's something that I'm thinking we're doing. So again, right. thank you. Uh, I would say Marta. Marta. <laughs> for coming on and uh and sharing and sharing your story thank you you are welcome now people you know how i do this this podcast episode is going to be in the apple podcast google podcast iHeartRadio, simplecast Stitcher, spotify and audible i need you to subscribe and share with your network and though i am on all major podcast platforms i'm trying to grow on apple podcast so i need you to subscribe and listen to the show and I like the stars. Now, look, I looked last week. I said, oh, star. So, okay, yes. But can I get some reviews? Because I'm trying to be found. And I'm trying to get Oprah on the show. And oh, I want her to know that we're doing big things. Oh, yeah, I get Oprah on the show. I'm calling the day. Oh, I'm not wow. doing. I'm t- two personal days. I'm not showing up to work. I'm just going to be sitting back, drinking flavored water, uh, and and just having a ball if I get the Oprah on the show. I'm, Jay-Z, too. I'm just... I'm, I'm trying to get the, I'm trying to just get the people who LeBron would be nice. Uh, I'm all about I love entrepreneurship. I love business. I love oh, ownership. Since you're mentioning famous people, may I tell you famous people that unschool? Go ahead. Will Smith. He unschooled his kids. Oh. Yes. And Elon Musk. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that singer, I forgot her name. Uh, Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette. Mm. She also schooling the kids. <laughs> Okay, it's gonna start a movement, people. Unschooling. I don't have the patience for it, but unschooling. I don't have any children either, but unschooling. And don't forget in the show notes, there will be links to be able to connect with Martha on social media, as well as be able to purchase her book I did today on Kindle. So again, I like to thank my guest Martha Obiol for coming on and dropping so many gems. And I like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you, edu. Peace.